back. So, Brett, this week is all about cars, which is, uh, you know, we're really gearheads. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, other than basic oil changes, we don't do a whole lot with our vehicle. So, what percentage of American households own a car? Uh, most of them. So... 78%. Wow, okay. Right. We well, love cars of... in America. <laughs> uh, and honestly, in a lot of cities, even that we've lived in, if you don't have a car, like you're, it's much harder to get around. Yeah, Our... but I feel like a lot of people in big cities, though, you know, there's a lot of people in those areas, and most people don't want to have cars in those areas because there's a lot of fees, and it's harder to get around or find somewhere to park. Yeah, yeah. So interesting that's so high, but I think a lot of car- households probably have more than one car. So when we Very take, like, yeah. you know, when we divide it out, it's probably hard to get at that number. And I, so I want to talk about our decision. It was about three or f- almost four years ago now. That well, we sold our car. Before that, I have a trivia question for you. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, how do you like it? <laughs> so, what is better than two cars? Two bikes. No, one car. Oh. In our opinion. Oh, also spoiler two cars. No. <laughs> or two bikes. <laughs> two, also, also two, two cars. Yeah. Um, a lot of bikes. So, it was, I believe it was the spring of 2014 that... We or 2017, sorry, 2017, that we finally decided to sell my car after I really hadn't driven it for a year because we were so nervous to pull the plug. We were like so nervous to like get rid of a car that we didn't even put like 2,000 miles on a year. Well, yeah, yeah, we really ran an experiment, and I think there was only one time ever in an entire year where both of our cars left the garage simultaneously. Yeah. Right. I mean, and we're not in a situation where we both like commute in completely opposite directions every day. Intentionally. Right. Intentionally. We moved to a spot where I could bike to work and you were working, you know, you would fly in on a Monday and leave on Thursday sort of thing. Right. It was Um, more cost effective for me to like Uber back and forth from the airport for my job than it was for me to like drive and leave my car in the parking lot. And I think there was like a small handful of times that I would just like come and get you from the airport because like Uber in our area, sometimes it would take like 20 minutes. Right. So I was like, I'll just come pick you up, you know. Um, But we actually made the decision to sell a 2013 Ford Escape. So it was about four years old at the time. And keep a 2007 two-door Honda Civic that I love with all of my heart and wish it had four doors. <laughs> it's the bane of my existence. Um, and you might say, why did we decide to do that? Well, we kept the car that was cheaper, that was better on gas mileage. And quite frankly, I just preferred driving a bit smaller vehicle. Um Especially, you know, like parallel parking and stuff, which I know a lot of new cars can just do for you, but like ours is a 2007, so back off. Um, <laughs> it's just, you know, I just like the smaller car. And and the biggest component was we could get a lot more money when we resold my car. Right, for sure. And at the time that we did this, both cars were paid off, right? We didn't, yes. we didn't have any financing, so that was not a factor in our decision. So... Because you gave me a trivia question, let's do another one. We sold my car for $13,500. We put that money into straight into a mutual fund where we have not touched it. How much money is that today? So it's been five, four, four, uh, four years. Four, 
Yes. It seems like it's been way longer than that. Well, we've moved 17 times. Yeah, it seems like it's been, you know, an eternity since we've had had two vehicles. Um, It was so probably it's close to 20,000 now. $24,000. Wow. So an extra $10,000 on top of that already? My, the whole thing, yeah, because the market this year has gone bonkers, right? right? It was a a really great time to have your money invested. But, right, and so when we sold the car, I kept saying, if we ever need to buy another one, obviously we can just do it, right? right? With cash. Yeah, we just parked the money that we had for it, so. And Again, being extra safe about the decision of going down to one car, we're like, okay, we're just going to keep the money around until, you know, just in case we need to buy another one. Well, what else were we going to do with the money? Light it on fire? Right. Like, that would not be very like us to be like, oh, here's this lump sum of money. Let's just Get burn it. it. Right. Right. <laughs> like, obviously, we saved it. Um, but, you know, I think what the really cool thing is, so now we are down to one car. We really need to upgrade it with a baby, two doors. We're doing it. She's six months old. Like, we've made it work this long. We could keep doing it, but, like, we also have a monster baby, which is complicated. And She's the the biggest baby, like, for her age bracket. She's in, like, the 95th percentile And we can only fit the smallest car seat in our car. Right. So it's a little bit of a mismatch. Right, because not only do we have, like, a, you know, small size vehicle, but the Honda Civic that we have is smaller than like the current Honda Civic, which they right. made like basically a midsize car. Right. So we have the extra small version and trying to get in and out of the back seat with that car seat is doable if you like smash your seat into like the front <laughs> right. as far up as it'll go and is probably dangerous from an airbag perspective. But right, it doesn't, you know, I think the next size up car seat would not fit in the car whatsoever. Right. right so we have to have this car seat <laughs> our daughter is rapidly growing out of it because she is literally in the 95th percentile like she's just a monster and probably not the safest for me um to be literally touching the dashboard so uh all things considered we were like we have to buy another car and then i looked at brett the other day and i was like but you know what's really funny about this decision is in no circumstance are we thinking about like adding a car or buying two cars like we were like oh yeah we need to replace our one car and i think after four years we have just like firmly moved into the this is what like this this is just how we live this just makes sense right because we've just we've just solidly adapted our lifestyle to fit this model right, right? we picked where we were going to live because it was very convenient to like not have to have two cars or commute or even when you go back to work not a big deal right like it doesn't you know, because of, you know, pandemic or not pandemic related reasons, if you are or are not going into the office, we are totally fine being here or. Well, yeah, because I have options. I can either bike to work. I can uh, take the bus to work. It like, Which is interesting that we have a bus system yeah, in where we live. But, yeah, yeah. And people might. So a lot of times when I talk to people about taking the bus to work, uh, a big argument that I hear, especially when you live in suburbia like we do now, is, oh, well, the bus takes longer than driving. So if I drove to work, it would probably take me about 15 minutes. If I took the bus to work, it would probably take me about 25 minutes, uh, maybe 30 because there is a transfer in there. And um, so people are like, oh, you know, you're wasting 15 more minutes. But let me tell you, when I'm on a bus, I can be working. I can go ahead and start checking my emails for the day and like get in some pre-work. I could be reading a book. I could be listening to a podcast. But when I'm driving, 
I guess I could still be listening to a podcast, but I can't like be doing anything. I can't be crocheting or I can't be reading a book or working, right? And so to me, I see that as like (laughs) taking my time back. And I think a lot of people who have lived in a big city who just get used to commuting on the L or, you know, a bus or something value that. And so I know for me, when I, I moved to Chicago right after college and I got used to that and then I moved back where I had to drive places and I was like, I'm just sitting at red lights. Like this stinks. Right. <laughs> right. That's that's the overall problem we have with our driving uh, economy today. Right. It's like I don't mind the driving portion of driving. Like, I, in fact, I, I enjoy it to a, a various degree. But like I hate our traffic. It's not it's not that the traffic doesn't flow or that traffic's really busy here. It's just like we sit at stoplights and the stoplights are timed. So you have to keep sitting at more stoplights. Right. It doesn't matter how fast you go. It doesn't matter what you know, basically you're you're relegated to drive the speed on the highway in, in most area, or in, in, in most city streets, the speed limit. But like, even when you do that, you still hit like every other red light. Well, and I think that's why I switched to biking to work for so long, because again, it would have probably taken me about 15 minutes to drive. It took me 25 minutes to bike, but then I at least felt like I got my exercise in for the day. And like, it didn't, take me that much longer because like I was still just like hitting the same red lights. Well, even, yeah, especially in Chicago, if you were driving around some of like the neighborhood streets in Chicago, like just going over like four or five blocks or whatever to, you know, to go to the grocery store or go to, you know, whatever store or pick something up. It, if you drove, it was so frustrating because literally the dude on rollerblades beside your car would smoke you at every light and he would just go past you and then you would wait at this huge line of traffic and And he would just catch back up right he would catch back up and maybe you'd hit maybe you'd have to hit the next light for like three cycles before you could get through it and this guy's like gone right he is like totally smoked you at this point like he's he's five blocks ahead of where you're trying to get to and it was just yeah bite whether you're on a bike or whether you're on rollerblades or even like a lot of runners or joggers they would at worst keep up with you right yeah, so especially when you're in, like, a more city landscape, like, driving just makes, or doesn't make as much sense. And right. biking makes more sense. And, you know, I've even chipped away at Brett in these last four years. And, like, even he will hop on a bike to run errands now. Right. Or, I mean, we're close enough now that I like to even just walk to the store. Or run right? sometimes. Like, you just run there to the grocery store and then, like, pick up what you need and then walk home. Right. And we're, you know, we're like very close to it because I hate running. So, (laughs) you know, Um, just just feels good to do it once in a while. And, you know, a lot of people, obviously we have a six month old daughter. And I think a lot of, a lot of people have been like, oh, well, don't you want two cars? Like, what if there's an emergency when, if if one of you are at home with the baby and one of you is gone, which has happened before. Brett's been working on the duplex and I'll be home uh, with our daughter. And honestly, if it's a true emergency, then I just need to call 911. Right. There's, I mean, there's a lot of options that we have in that scenario, but trying to plan for what ifs is always the biggest uh, incentive to over, uh, oh, I guess, over plan or, or buy things to over plan for those circumstances. But like, there's an unlimited amount of like what if scenarios. Right. And in the realistic scenario is that most of those will never happen to you. Right. right? And so. And it, if they, if they do, like if she's, if my daughter is choking, if she has a fever or, you know, if her pinky gets chopped off when her dad is trimming her fingernail uh, weird <laughs> you know how would that happen uh then like some some of those situations 
if it's a true emergency, I need to call 911. If it's something that I need to get her into her doctor, but it can like wait a minute, I either have two options. I can call Brett and say, get home now. It's an emergency. Or like I have family in town. We have really awesome neighbors where I feel like I could knock on half of their doors and they would very happily take me wherever I needed to go. Right. Um, if it, you know, if I explain the situation. So, you know, we are in a boat where we feel like we have that support that like there's nothing that could like really crazily happen where you know, Brett's too far away. And part of the location that we're in, like anywhere that we go in our entire greater Tri-City area, nothing is more than like 20 minutes away. Right. So like if I'm at work, it, you know, in a post-pandemic world where I can actually go to work again, or if Brett's at one of our rental properties, like we are never, ever more than like 15 or 20 minutes away. Right. So so yeah, if it's, if it's a medium emergency, that's fine. If it's a actual emergency then do what you need to do right right um and another thing is you know what if i'm working and let's say our daughter starts going to daycare or something well we actually have bike seats uh that she can go ahead and just ride on our bike and i know there's a lot of opinions about this and a lot of cities in america where they're like it's literally outlawed to put a baby who's less than 12 months old on a bike because danger and i'm like cars are dangerous like right (laughs) safety concerns and cars are a very real thing um but like google like denmark or amsterdam or utrecht or utrecht babies and like you will just see all these adorable babies on these little cruiser bikes like with these little seats and then their windshields right on the front of the bikes and like super popular to do it and they they make bike seats for this you can get them you can attach them to your bike if you're not comfortable doing it um there's always local bike shops wherever you live who will like be happy to like for you know a a small fee put this stuff on your bike um and make sure it's secure and you know so i would say when our daughter was first born obviously we wouldn't put like a two-week-old on a bike um but now that she is almost six months old I am already but the, but very the, comfortable. But the size of a one-year-old, basically. Yeah. Right, yeah. And, and it depends on your baby. It depends on, um, obviously, you know your baby best if they have good neck strength. Our daughter had has had good neck strength for a while, good head control. So, like, there are seats that she could be in that I would be comfortable with. We live in a city where it is legal for her to be on the bike. I've already, obviously, looked into this. Um, so we, you know, can check all the boxes and we feel also comfortable where, um, you know, her pediatrician's office is only a couple miles away. So we have other ways to get ourselves and our daughter places, even if we just don't want to use our car. But also we're, we're in an area where we wouldn't take her on a, you know, 45 mile an hour road where they just spray painted a bike shared, you know, shared bike lane sign on there, which is nonsense. And they need to stop doing that. Like it's not a shared bike lane when like it like completely destroys the flow of traffic. And like those cars are way too fast for like the speed that the bikes are capable of going. Like that's just all dumb. And so like we have like bike paths here and we have like not dedicated with non-motorized vehicles. Right. And like not busy side streets and like neighborhood streets all over the place. And, like, even several of our main streets are 25 miles an hour with a well-established bike lane on the side that is cleaned out, that the city maintains. That isn't just a gutter, right? Right. And, like, and I think the biggest thing is other people bike on these roads. So when you're out biking, you are not the only person who is out biking. And we've lived a lot of places and I actually feel even safer and more comfortable biking around our new 
town than I did in Chicago because Chicago was, you could either go to the lakefront trail and like bike until your heart was content or, you know, like the 616, we had certain parts of town. But if you were like just on city streets, even if they had a bike lane, like you had a bus passing you and then stopping in front of you and you had like car doors opening into you, like it was a mess. In, in and, addition to just regular dodging traffic or weaving through cars that are, again, stopped at the red lights that you're just, like, trying to fly by as a biker. Right. And right. here we have, like, it's a college town. There's a lot of people out biking. Very, like, most of the city has very slow 25-mile-an-hour roads. So it's a much safer environment to bike around. Right. So, yeah, we're, we're pretty comfortable with that. Again, one of the reasons that we picked to be here because of the ecosystem to support that. Right. right. So that was a conscious decision on our part. You know, I mean, I basically looked at Brett and I was like, we can either stay in the United States and live in this one square mile radius. I don't even know if it was a full square mile, maybe <laughs> half a square mile radius, or we are moving to Utrecht, like in the Netherlands. That was like our options. So <laughs> Right. Which in, uh, obviously no one is familiar with what Utrecht is. They basically took the concept of they were going to remove all their parking spots from like this, from their city and convert everything, including most of the roads, into bike paths. And so 95% of the all commuting traffic in the city is now operated by bicycle. And in the 70s, it was like 95% was vehicles. Right. So it's been a complete, like, light bulb switch going off. Right, over the last decade, basically. They turned it into, like, a quadrant city. So they basically just drew a grid through the center of the city and said, you can only, like, you have to go to the perimeter to get from grid A to grid B, even if you live across the street, you cannot drive across the street. Right. So they just took like, yeah, the roads and pushed them away from where the pedestrian bikers would be traveling on, right. which is a great model, right? Well, and then they made it a lot, it makes a lot more sense if you can't drive because they've shut down these roads and made them bike only. And it is a mile to bike somewhere, but by having to go out to like the perimeter and drive around and then into your destination, it would end up being 10 miles. Obviously, you're going to choose to bike every time. Right. So so in any case, like the end result here was they did this experiment. The businesses, you know, in the downtown areas that were losing all the parking spots in front of their businesses were like freaking out and like raging about it and right and, and protesting. And then they saw like the demand for or the customer base of the businesses like triple. Right. Consistently, not just like at the beginning of it. But, and like, the town itself, more businesses started moving in. And more people. global businesses that are hiring more people. So now all of a sudden it became like a super desirable global city. Yeah, it's one of like the most most in-demand places to live globally now. Which is like good on you. Like, you know, taking a totally random like stab at like this new model that is like basically unfounded. And uh, it just crushed it. Right. So So, um, anyways, to walk back to our decision. Yes, we decided... We got rid of our car. It was definitely, like, I would say for me it was a very scary thing because, like, I know in America, at least, turning 16 and getting the freedom to, you know, have your own car. I know not everyone gets one at 16, but that's when you can, like, drive. And if you've saved up for one or if your parents are helping you with one, you can, like, have your own car. And I know, like, there's a huge freedom associated with that. And so then, like, for me, it felt a lot like giving that freedom up because the car that we kept was, like, what we called Brett's car. And so like, even for the first year, I found myself being like, hey, Brett, do you mind if I take your car to go do this? And like, he had to keep being like, you mean our car? Like, and But I think now um, I firmly 
I, I firmly do feel like it is our car. I don't like ever feel like I have to ask permission <laughs> anymore. Um, and I've kind of realized that there is a lot of freedom in not driving everywhere. So, um, you know, there's been times where Brett's at the duplex for a day and I need to go get library books and we live, you know, about a mile away. And especially when my daughter was younger, you know, I, I didn't feel comfortable putting her on a bike yet, but I would just like take the 15, 20 minutes to walk up there, you know, with her. And I enjoyed, I, I found myself enjoying that more than just being like, oh, I got to run all these errands in my car. Um, it was a way to like stop and appreciate life and like get more physical activity in, which one of the big things with moving out of Chicago, um, I loved walking everywhere. That was like my favorite part of city life is like walking everywhere. And I didn't want to lose that. So we chose our urban environment very carefully to preserve that because I find like getting outside every day and like not always being in a vehicle, um, you know, I, I really do enjoy those moments more. So what would you recommend for people that might be on the cusp or don't even realize that they should probably be more in a one car family scenario? So don't be don't be scared and don't, um, you know, don't feel like you have to answer all these what ifs. I think for me, um, I was so scared to try it. And it's like, just do, I, I would highly recommend doing what we did, like sell a car and keep the money around if you do need it, but just see, you know, um, you know, early on when we were still a little bit more car dependent, we relied more on Uber, which I know right now the world's kind of crazy. I totally understand if this isn't the right time to try some of these strategies. Well, it is and it isn't because it's funny, right? Because you're, you're less likely to want to use public transportation, which again was a big reason why we ended up leaving Chicago in the first place because we like are huge proponents of it. And then it became like, you know, a health risk to like be on public transportation right. frequently. Which I understand sounds very privileged because I do want to acknowledge that there are plenty of people who still do not have a choice and have to ride public transportation. And right. But they don't need me adding to the correct, population correct. of like somebody that like is trying to go to the library. Right. Like yes. Super unnecessary to do in that circumstance. Right. But just wanted to acknowledge that. Right. There's, that that exists. Yeah, because those right, a lot of people that don't have cars in the city, especially when we're in Chicago, don't have cars right. or healthcare workers. And we didn't. Or it's like super when we were for people that have to go into their, their in our early twenties, living in Chicago, like having a car in the city is a is an enormous privilege, and we knew that when we moved back in our thirties. You know, mm-hmm. so um, we recognize that. But sorry, Brett, what were you? Using? I have no idea what I was saying now. Um, <laughs> so, but I, I think I think my point is taking an assessment of like kind of like where you're at with, you know, like w- what we did, right? We we assessed how much our car was in like the garage right? or how much were our cars both gone simultaneously. Because even now, like our car barely ever leaves the garage. Like it's most yeah. of the time it's either in the driveway or the garage. And we probably have it out of the, you know, off of our property for, you know, 1% of the day. Well, maybe, so uh, yeah, average. I have to laugh because one of my coworkers was down a car um, or no, his garage door Right, the power, power went out. Yeah, and yeah. he is having, his wife is having a baby, so she had to get to a doctor's appointment. And he only lives like a mile away. And I was like, oh, if your garage door doesn't open by this afternoon when your appointment is, feel free to just like, we can bring you our car and I'll bike home or whatever. We can get our car to you. And he was like, oh, you know, I'd feel really bad because I know you only have one. And I'm like, we can still loan it out. That's how like much we use it. Right. <laughs> And I mean, obviously we've gone like deep into the weeds here, but like for somebody that like 
you know, isn't sure, like, why, you know, yeah. I, thinks mm-hmm. that they would never go down to a, a one-car situation, right? Like, that was us 10 years ago. Of course oh, it yeah. was. Yeah. Right? We were mm-hmm. not living in an area that was conducive of it. We literally drove 20 minutes to go everywhere for dinner or work or whatever, right? right? Even with me working from home, it was, like, still way more inconvenient because you were so far away for work. Right. Right. And, uh, right, it, and if I never needed to, like, if I wanted to, like, go out and get lunch or something... Uh, I mean, this was like pre-Uber Eats days, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> um, There was like a sports, the closest sports bar was like a mile up the road. Right. And that was the only like place to get food that wasn't like two An miles up the shop. road. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, so we, we've just made changes in our life to like be more conducive. But people that like, you know, work at two different jobs and you just like, oh, yeah, you think, oh, uh, you know, we work at two different locations. So uh, we need two different cars because we just like do our own thing during the day. Right. And maybe that's true. That probably is true for probably I would say like maybe 40 percent of people that are like actually in that scenario where it would never work to go down to like a one car situation. But I think for a lot of people, you either probably work like, you know, reasonably close to each other within like five miles, right? Or something like that. And you like you could do like a carpool situation. Right. Or um Or like, you know, throw the bike in the back of a car and you know, one person could drive to work and the other could bike the last mile or whatever. Um Right. But there's yeah, there's there's a there's a lot of times where you have it just in case uh, or people want to have like their own car, right? In a two-person household scenario, you're like everybody is like, "This is my car, and this is right, your car." Yeah, right? yeah. Even though we both share the cars, right? We both can drive the cars. I've got the keys, but like, it's there's definitely always like somebody's car and somebody else's car, right? right? Which is so funny in hindsight. <laughs> um, but right, uh, yeah, I, I think I think the the biggest mechanism is like just seeing like how often both of your cars are like out of the garage together. And another kind of radical idea that I would throw out there is if you. I think some people are in the location they're in for, you know, they personally like living in a rural area or they want to be closer to family. And I totally get those location preferences. But if you are in a town and you're just like, well, this is where I live and you are like at all thinking about moving, then I would encourage you to consider why you don't live closer to work. Um, Because like when we moved back to the town that we're in, in 2013 originally uh we just like picked a location because we like found a newer built house that was like reasonably nice and then when we lived there we were like this location isn't really fitting any of our needs like we can't walk a lot of places which is something we really enjoy we it's not close to my work and so we ended up moving a couple of years later across town for me to only be four miles away from work so that i could start biking to work and like that fit our needs a little bit better. And then we like, now we moved back to this area and we moved again into a different community within this greater city area. And this location, I would say, fits our lifestyle the best now. But it was like a lot of trial and error with location. So one thing that I've also like told Brett a lot lately is I think a lot of people just, they're like, well, this is where I landed. Like when I moved to this new city and I didn't know, you know, a lot of people get a job somewhere and then they move somewhere and they're not really familiar with the area, but they like buy a house right away. And then a few years go by and they're like, well, this is just the house that I own in the spot that it's in. And I would really encourage you to feel free to be like, is this the location I still like? Is it not? Like, should I consider moving? 
And right. I think when you have those conversations, like you could end up closer to work and and put yourself in a similar position to Brad and I. Right. Do I recommend that you move as frequently as we do? Absolutely not. No. Uh, no, that's just crazy talk. But I also don't recommend that you feel like you're locked into a house forever. Right. No. Just because you have like a 15 year, 30 year mortgage does not mean you have to sit there until that like ends. Right. Or expires. Right. Uh, it makes very common for most people to not only move locations every five years, but even, even change jobs. Right. In different locations. So you may move out of a city completely. But it's yeah, we we have just changed our priorities, you know, so many different times or I think. I guess change is the wrong word. We've progressed in our understanding of what priorities are important to us over the last like decade that we've been together here. And originally, like you said, we got a house assuming that we wanted a, you know, newer built house that was going to have like no problems or no maintenance or very, you know, very low issues. And turns out that when you buy a new house in, you know, it was built after the year 2000, most of those houses are not that great in the first place, even brand new. So uh, <laughs> there's a lot of older homes that were way better than that. And most older homes you can like put less money into uh, and get a way better house than even brand new ones uh, for a lot of places. So don't be afraid of that, right? We've learned that that was like totally the wrong thing to do. Mm-hmm. And after being in so many different homes now, which would, I don't know, we're in like five now uh, in the last <laughs> five, 10 years, um, soon to be maybe six then it doesn't matter because we know that we can get an older home, even if it's like not even great, that great of shape in like the right area is like so important to what we've now chosen to do. Yeah. And I would say by talking to a lot of people who have built homes or not built homes or moved in newer houses or older houses, you will heart. It, it is so rare to find a house that you are just going to walk into, whether it's built in 1940 or 2010 that you're like, Oh, I love it. So there's always going to be things that you want to change. And even if you build a new house, most people, when they build a new house, it's very expensive to go the full custom route. So most people do like either a semi-custom home or like a spec house. Track built home. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And and so when you do that, like, again, there's going to be things that you're like not 100% sold on or the flow of the house isn't great or all these things. So, you know... I guess the moral of that story is we've learned everywhere that we've ever lived, there are things that we kind of want to change. So it's better to just like get into the location that you're happy with. And then over time, you can like make your house whatever you want it. Right. But most people spend the majority of their time within like one mile of their house. If you're not commuting out somewhere like 20 miles away or 15 miles away or whatever to work you spend most of your time not leaving that one mile radius where you go to eat, where you like hang out with your friends, like your neighbors. So we found that the most important thing for us is to be in the area with the like, you know, with the people that we want to associate with the most that we see every day. When we walk around the block and like see the same people every day, like we want to like like those people, right? Right. <laughs> we don't want to live by people that like literally never come out of their house and we've like never seen them more than twice in like the five years that we've lived there, which we've been in that situation, right? right? So by living in a more urban area, you just promote people to be outside more often. And I will say like that is very true of where we've ended up. We basically know half the neighborhood now just because we go for two walks a right. day. And you're more likely to just like stop by and like hang out with your next door neighbor than you are to like, you know, go over to your like really good friend's house that's like 10 minutes away Right. that regularly. Like maybe you see them like a little bit more frequently. Maybe you like have some like activities that you're doing together, but like it's very different than just like the drop-in kind of scenario from like your immediate like neighborhood, mm-hmm. right? And so 
that is our personal preference now and that's where we've you know developed our thinking to get to at this point is like that is super awesome for us to focus on right so 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 how does that relate to the one car we're we're happy with our one car scenario is the scenario or is the summary of this episode Yeah, i think it was by making that one square mile radius pack the biggest punch for us so everything we need is within a mile of our house so if i take the car to work and my work is now like four and a half miles away Brett can satisfy all of his needs by walking or biking because it's just nothing is that far away. Right. But that was also true when we, I mean, it was definitely true when we lived in Chicago. It was definitely true when we lived in our last house, um, when we originally went down this plan, right? Because you were biking to work. Yes. But if you drew a mile square radius, we were on like the very edge of town. (laughs) So then like you ran out of things. Right. That's true too. That's why we moved out of there. Yeah. Um, One of the reasons. So we, we found that now we live in an area that's like definitely an older part of town that has like smaller lots. And by packing more houses in, you pack also more businesses in. And then you just have like a lot more amenities in that one square mile. Right. Which we've become quite the fan of. Living out in the middle of the suburb track where you're only surrounded. You're, you have like a big lot for your house or like a third of an acre or whatever. And only neighbors and no businesses was was just not our favorite place to be and like uh i think for me a big thing too is like we live in a really old beautiful neighborhood now with like lots of trees and it just feels like very park-like when we walk around right instead of like clear-cut field yeah Um, which is most subdivisions today right and what was i going to mention oh and so when we say amenities you're probably like angie you always don't seem like you go a lot of places our amenities include like the library and a farmer's market and so like it's not always just like going out to eat or like crazy things it's just like you know, basic things that we do every week. Like, uh, a huge thing that I love is, like, if I'm cooking for dinner and I'm like, Brat, I need, like, one lemon. Um, we have, like, this really awesome, super close grocery store that just has, like, produce and then, like, a soup bar. Like, they they don't That's have a ton it, of stuff. Right? Yeah. Um, but it's just, like, you can pop in and you can grab, like, green onion or, or lemon and just, like, grab and go. Um, so we had that in Chicago, too. Like, it's kind of like a corner bodega, I guess. It's, like, prepared sandwiches and then some groceries. But with, like, a fantastic selection. Like, the, the range of products they have is, like, I, everything I always need is, like, in that store somewhere. Right, and I think anybody from New York, when I say, like, bodega, they're like, oh, wow, you live in, like, the Midwest and you have access to one because that is exactly what this store is, right? It's, like, super awesome. They have everything you need, um, <laughs> including fresh flowers because I know that's, like, a bodega must-have. Right, um, but, like, even I mean, even the restaurant selection we have is, like, fantastic. We have, like, great Indian places. Like, fantastic. we have, like, an Ethiopian restaurant that's, like, really close to us. Right. Like, there's the, the range of, like, you know, restaurant options for the area that we picked also was a big factor And for us. a lot of community parks. So even though we don't have big yards ourselves, we can walk our dog literally one block away and have access to, like, a big field for her to run into. Um, so that, that was huge for us. Even, like, during a pandemic, we can still get out. We can go for walks. We have green space. That is not our own that we have to maintain, maintain. which is very, very <laughs> convenient. Um, so it works for us. And so I kind of want to get this wrapped up here because I know we're rambling on a little bit. But Brett, I would say I was nervous that you would be the harder one to convince about like walking and biking because I would say six years ago, you were content to just like sit in your computer chair and never, never leave. Um, so how did you get comfortable with moving down to one car and walking and biking places? Because I think if you can do it, then I, I think most of our listeners, I would challenge them to try to complete one errand or or activity by foot this week. Right. Well, I sat in my computer chair and I never leave and I gave you access to the car. So perfect for the whole first year. Um so, 
I don't know, I still don't feel like I ever am in need for the car ever when I don't have access to it, right? Right. One of us, like, like that, that's my safety net. Like, it's, it's still always here. Right. Like, you're never, like, going anywhere. I'm never, like, abandoned at home. But even when you were commuting to work and taking the car every day and there was no car in the garage for me, like, I, I had no need to ever use it. Like, we had food. And we had whatever, but I could also like just bike up to the grocery store. That was probably my saving grace is like, I had access to some kind of food during the day. If I like opened the fridge and there was like literally nothing for me to eat. Right. But like now it's also the, the probably the other saving grace is the realization that for the expense of owning that second car, which we haven't really talked about on this episode, but we did on our previous one where we talked about going down to a car, uh, one car. The expense of having that vehicle is so expensive with all of the insurance costs and the gas costs mm-hmm. and the you know maintenance costs and or the full breakdown and the full price of that vehicle, which is and not, the time which of is, like having to get oil changes right. or do it yourself. But it's not just the purchase price of the vehicle, and it's not like the the lease price or the uh, the loan price, right? Those are not the prices that we care about because like the, basically that's only half of the cost of what the actual vehicle mm-hmm. costs you on a, on an annual basis. So like taking all of that money for the annual basis and putting it into like literally anything else, not even just investments, but if I was just going to take that money and like figure out how to transport myself, I can definitely get to where I want to go or get food from wherever or do whatever I need to do cheaper than having that car. Right. Right. I can I can use Uber or I can use Uber Eats or regular delivery or whatever if I don't have access to a vehicle in a more suburban area still cheaper than owning a new car right. and we had right and yeah i mean your car wasn't even that new at that point but like you know people that refresh their vehicles every like five years like very expensive right. you're eating a ton and ton ton of depreciation on those vehicles and all of that money could go you know, if you ubered like every day it would probably still be close to being cheaper than having your own car so now that it's been four years and technically we could go and buy a twenty-four thousand dollar vehicle free and clear with what we traded my in for I have to ask the million dollar question. Are you happier with the dollar? I'm very happy with the dollar, right? We can do so much. And I'd rather like leave that money sit there and like double again, right? right? And I know we said we need to like upgrade our car finally because literally the car seat that we need to get next is not going to fit into the car. Um, So, right, that'll be a different journey for us to get the next like long-term planned car. Right. That, which, and we're only going to get one so we can get literally whatever we want, right? Because we're not right. paying for two cars. Right. We can get the best car that we want to have that we know we're going to keep for like 20 years. And it's going to be sweet. Yeah. So thanks for tuning in this week. Um, I, I think that is a good challenge to issue all of you. I would challenge you to try to complete one errand or task or taking your kids to a park or taking yourself to the grocery store or grabbing your own dinner. Um, on foot or bike this week, or, you know, if you've never tried, you know, delivery or whatever. Um, we're not even huge fans of delivery. Most of the time, Brett will still go and pick up our food. But I keep saying Uber Eats, and I, like, absolutely refuse to ever use any like, of those delivery services. Like, I think we literally but twice. Only um, because, yeah, only because there were, like, sick coupons or something. That, and like, after it. I, you know, <laughs> gave birth, um, we had to get food delivered to the hospital because the cafeteria wasn't open anymore, and I was starving. So mm. we've used it a couple times. But, yeah, usually Brett, he will actually just, like, walk up and grab us dinner. So even you, Mr. Sits in Armchair, man can do it as well um, right. because brett can do it anyone can do it but i also i also drive you know within the mile uh, and go get stuff too like i'm not i'm not a monster 
right? We still drive the <laughs> car a lot. Drive. It's yeah. definitely winter in Michigan right now. Yeah. And I sure like am like a pretty fair weather fan when it comes to like biking around still. So like I'll definitely go like if I need to go pick up some food, like I'll probably just pop in the car and drive the mile and drive back. Yep. And deal with like the hitting 16 red lights on the way there and back. But like I'm warm the whole time, so. It's fine. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for tuning in this week. If you have any comments or questions or are thinking about going to one down to one car and want to like talk to somebody about it or pick our brains about it, we are happy to do that. I know I really found it beneficial in our journey to talk to some people who had done it as well to just like see what they thought. Um, so we just wanted to put this out and give you a four-year update on being a one-car family. Thanks for tuning in this week, guys. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Money in the Bank. Make sure to subscribe to us on the iTunes or Stitcher app so that you get weekly alerts every time we post a podcast. Or if you want, you can visit my website, moneyinthebankpodcast.com. And if you want to reach out with any questions or further comments, please email me at angie at moneyinthebankpodcast.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Money in the Bank.